0: Uh, I, I, I can't remember why, but Twitter this morning, like, I saw a tweet about Zach Brown's Chicken Fried, and I listened to that song, like, with Uh headphones and everything. I think every time that I'd heard it before, I'd heard it, like, while I was at a restaurant, some sort, or at, like, maybe, like, a sporting event. Right. It, it it fucking sucks. It's so bad. Like, I thought it was just kind (laughs) of, like, generally inoffensive. Oh my god. Right. It is it is absolutely wretched. In the middle of this doofy song about liking fried chicken, they go out of their way to like right. thank thank the troops literally for fried chicken. <laughs> I think it's literally that he says that the troops protect our freedom to enjoy chicken, comma, fried cold beer on a Friday night, a pair of jeans the just right?
1: I think the tuck rule is is a crock. Personally,
0: okay. <laughs> Too bad you got screwed that Tuck rule up. That one doesn't count. Huh? That
1: huh? Over with. Come on now. You never get over one that. That'll be ever scarred forever. That'll be
0: on his headstone. Hey, folks. This is Tuck Rule, the first football podcast for Seahawks fans. I'm Victoria. And I'm joined, as always, by interim USC head coach, Katie. Say what's up, Katie. What's up, Katie? We are here to talk about college football week two and NFL week one. Uh, I hate how that's not synced up. It makes it really hard to just uh, succinctly say what week we're covering, but that's okay. So, Katie, uh, first of all, congratulations on the promotion. Uh, Big job. Uh, You have a lot of expectations over there. How are you handling the pressure so far?
1: Uh, so I'm actually not feeling any pressure at all because I've never once felt pressure in my entire life, Uh, but this job, the reason Victoria called me USC interim head coach is because Clay Helton finally got fired after what seems like multiple millennia of waiting. Um, Got fired after they lost to Stanford 42-28. This had been building for years. And I was just talking with someone on Twitter the other night about how, well, maybe USC is happy with this because it's been worse for them before. Uh, You can go back to from about 93 to 2000. That's when it got really bad for USC. I think there was a three and eight in there, which you'd never expect USC to do that. But they fired him finally. And it's going to be interesting because this is a job where the names can get just really stupid like i guarantee you someone is gonna say we they're gonna take bob stoops out of retirement and have him coach there and usc may very well get urban meyer too that's another that's another fun distinct possibility but play helton's gone and i think usc they needed to do it but they probably should have done it last year so that way the new coach would have had a bit of stability doing it this soon into year one is just it's beyond
0: stupid They fired Clay Helton, and it's still the month of summer. I I do not understand how on earth he survived the last, like, three or four or whatever seasons where everyone was certain he was going to get fired. And a loss to Stanford is what does it? Granted, it's not good Stanford. Uh, This is is lost by by several scores to K-State Stanford. Like, this is not a good Stanford team. (laughs) But, like, this is what does it? i don't get it and like i'm not trying to do like sunk cost fallacy like obviously clay helton was not the guy and getting rid of him is a good idea just doing it after week two is such a puzzling decision to me
1: yeah i think it, i think most people are, are united in that um i thought he's gonna last a year i i didn't think that they'd do it after week two i thought he'll win nine games they'll go to like some like Bowl that's named after some sort of computer that I don't have and will never have, and they'll, they'll lose on like December 27th and then fire him the next day, but no, they fired him after Stanford, who, they're not terrible, it's just, this is not a game where you, you land Kiffin a guy and just leave him on the tarmac, although that would be supremely funny if that's exactly what they did, but yeah, I, I don't get it. USC stays uh, losing with their hiring and firing decisions. The other thing I was going to say about that USC game, the great thing about it was the kicker got uh, the kicker got a targeting foul on the first, on literally the kickoff of the game, and he King. got thrown out. King. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, that sort of thing is just kind of how Clay Helton's tenure has gone. But there were other college football games. I'll. List off some of the more important ones. We'll talk about some of the others in a little bit. Um, I think the big one at noon, aside from Pitt, Tennessee, which was the greatest game in the history of college football, but at noon you had the big noon Saturday game. Uh, Oregon beat Ohio State 35-28. Ohio State's defense uh, was doing literal high school stuff when it came to how their, how their linebackers and how their backs other defensive backs were kind of covering guys it was just
0: it was so it was so terrible. frustrating to watch like i I don't even like Ohio State like i was I was truly pulling for the ducks both because it's an upset and because I don't like Ohio State very much, but I got furious watching that defense just completely flail and look like they had no idea what they were doing,
1: yeah like they got burned by like very simple they got burned by very simple gap scheme concepts. They got burned also by that CJ. Verdell touchdown was an inside zone that was a split zone RPO. None of the linebackers knew what they were doing. So Verdell just had a wide open hole and he just dashed to the end zone. That's kind of how Ohio State's game went. I believe that they actually outgained Oregon, though. they did. 612 to 505 over 1200 or over 1100 yards of total off good game if you were fortunate enough to watch it then we go on to the middle afternoon slate uh georgia beat uab 56 7 georgia's defense looks fantastic stetson bennett through i think was like 10 of 12 for like two ninety something and threw like four touchdowns if i'm not mistaken how I mean, old is five. stetson
0: bennett like how is uh, stetson bennett still there
1: i think stetson bennett is actually just a myth like they just play whatever fan is in the stands that day and there's like a 25 percent chance at athens that they'll be named stetson bennett or something around there it is georgia
0: it is georgia good point
1: yeah yeah um so georgia's defense still looks fantastic uh uab's only score i think was on a turnover and speaking of UAV turnovers, they have, by far and away, the most insane turnover chain I have ever seen. Dude, it is Skyrim literal, bullshit. Yes! It's a literal fucking dragon head. It literally looks like... It literally looks like what happens if you kill one of the dragons in Skyrim. It's cool Ugh. as shit. You know, where do okay, so, get when you're down 56-7? Like, it's a yeah, lot. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I actually think that makes it cooler. But, like... Okay, so do you <laughs> think that they... When I look at that, the question I have is that, well, it looks kind of cheap. Just, I'm just yeah. throwing that out there. Like, it looks yeah. like something it, you it, might be able to buy at Party City, but, like, I also feel like they must have had to custom order it, because where do you just buy, like, a dragon skull? So if they yeah, did custom was... order it, then it kind of looks like shit.
1: Yeah, it does. It looks like something that you'd get from one of those, um... You know when the malls are about to die and they have those, um... Halloween pop-up stores oh, that yeah. happen every October. Spirit yeah, Halloween. It looks ass. like it came from. Yeah, it came from one of those. I guarantee oh. it. We continue with the mid-afternoon games, and I think these are the only games that we're not going to talk about a lot, but we're still going to we're still going to mention them. Uh, Texas A&M ten, Colorado seven. That game was at Denver. Um, Colorado led seven three, like for most of the game. And Did you watch
0: this game? Because what the fuck happened? I
1: did. I watched it in the fourth quarter. Um, So, Texas A&M goes on like a 75-yard drive. Um, and their quarterback, he's carrying the ball. He fumbles it on the half-yard line. Like, they had to, like, confirm. They had to, like, replay this, I think, for, like, several minutes to figure it out. Um. Colorado can't take advantage. And then their quarterback finally started to play well. I think his name is Calzada. He, he finally started to find some holes in the defense. So that was interesting. You probably shouldn't have Texas A&M in your college football playoff picture, uh, given they did have some early struggles, I think, with Kent State. And now 10-7 at Colorado. Um, and then the last one I want to mention before we get into... Some of the more offbeat stuff. Uh, Notre Dame nearly lost to Toledo on Peacock. Match him, um, baby. <laughs> Toledo was up 16-14 at the end of the third. And the other thing that's interesting is Toledo got six sacks against this Notre Dame offensive
0: line. That shouldn't happen. Um,
1: yeah. Toledo had a quarterback read that went wide open. I think they took the lead with about two minutes to go. Um, Notre Dame then marched down the field like three plays. uh got the lead 20, 32-29. Toledo gets the ball back and they commit like a million penalties and the game's over, but uh, Notre Dame, you're probably not feeling too confident after, you know, after Florida State loses Jacksonville State, which we'll talk about that one, and Toledo, which I'll have to go back and look, but I don't think that they were picked first in their division in the max, so that's, that's not a good first two games. So, those are the games that I kind of wanted to mention you know we kind of have to talk about because they happen and they are important but this being the tuck rule and this being I would say more not necessarily offbeat but we do like to talk about like what we want to talk about we're going to get into some more weird shit and Victoria apparently wants to talk about Joe Milton of course I do
0: of course I do (laughs)
1: much to my dismay she wants to talk about joe milton
0: so i'll hand the floor to her for this one let me preach uh so the noon game that i watched before i had to go to work was my tennessee volunteers hosting the pittsburgh panthers by the way just i want to note right now this is a incredible aesthetic showdown both these teams have just gorgeous jerseys just i love everything about it looks great Tennessee comes out hot early on with. It was a block punt, right? I'm not making that up. Yeah, yeah, um, it was a block punt. So Tennessee comes out hot early uh, and then gives up 27 points in the second quarter. But I just want to. I didn't see the second half. I know that he got benched and that Hendon Hooker looked a lot better. But Joe yeah. Milton, Michigan transfer quarterback, he <laughs> stole my heart. And I think I only watched him attempt like 11 passes. Because every, <laughs> every single one of his misses was exactly the same. And it was a oh deep my ball. God. It was a deep ball that he overshot by, like, five yards. It happened every time. Like, I was watching it thinking that I was going crazy. Because I was like, there's no way that a quarterback can make, like, the same miss. Again and again and again and again. And it it, it happened. Joe Milton stole my heart. Um, he... He is the exact kind of college quarterback that I like, where he's just very big, he can run, and uh, when he tries to throw, it's going to go real fast. Don't ask where it's going to go, or, you know, just maybe don't be too sure that it's going to land within the same zip code as the receiver. But uh, that was great. I'm sure that I'm not going to see too much more of him. Uh, but He
1: actually got hurt. Like, that was the reason that Hinden Hooker, I think, came in, so...
0: I have a very hard time imagining them going back away from that because Hendon Hooker apparently looked like a quarterback, uh, which is an improvement. But um, also just to note, Kenny Pickett, pretty nice. I like Kenny Pickett a lot. Yeah,
1: yeah. Kenny Pickett looked really... I I said it on Twitter on Saturday. I've only seen two quarterbacks in Newland Stadium be that much of a pain in the ass that often. The first one was Baker Mayfield against Oklahoma in 2015, where he basically just said, Fuck it. We're not losing this game at Tennessee. And just marched down the field twice. They won in double overtime, I think. That was an honestly. Awesome I It was, and unfortunately, I have not wiped that game from my memory. Um, <laughs> and the second time was Zach Wilson, who you almost were there so many times against him, and he just found a way to get out and just make BYU look a little more competent offensively than they probably actually were that game. So that's the two times I've seen a quarterback in Nealand look that much of a pain in the ass, and Kenny Pickett was the third. So it's probably a pretty good sign for him.
0: Oh yeah, Kenny. Um, Katie, uh, before this week's Iowa Iowa State game, you went, you logged on Twitter, and you said that if anyone <laughs> called this game El Asico, you would kick their ass. Defend yourself after what happened. I can't. I really can't. No,
1: like it's. I thought okay. I thought, well, these two offenses are at least kind of competent this year. So, maybe we get something like a 28-24 game at the end of the day. So, Iowa State was minus four in turnover margin. And some of those were just, they're interceptions that only happen maybe once or twice a season. And my other thing, the other thing to defend myself here for picking Iowa State to... Not only win the Big 12, but win the national title. Hey, which, Big uh, 12's still on the table. Yeah, it is. Um, they outgained Iowa 339 to 173. <laughs> the and, numbers are so good. Like, Yeah,
0: they had 21 first downs to Iowa's 11. 11 just, first downs? Iowa went 4 for 13 on, on third down. Um, <laughs> I watched very little of this game because it was boring as shit and I was at work um yeah but when i saw the score i assumed that iowa ran the ball a lot uh ran it efficiently and just sort of ground iowa state to pace and then i look up the numbers and they had 173 yards of offense and yeah, 67 it, of them were on the ground
1: yeah i mean so many times iowa was playing with such a sore field and all they needed to do was all they needed to do was, you know go 20 30 40 yards down the field and that's what they did and iowa state just kept doing dumb shit i have it in my game notes that like they had so many dumb turnovers that just piled on like paint on a toothache like that's what iowa <laughs> oh, state Lord. did yeah so unfortunately people i am not an all-knowing all-seeing goddess i thought that this game would be good and i apologize for misleading you into thinking oh iowa iowa state is actually going to be watchable this year um so, I'm never making that mistake again. This game is El Asico until I
0: fucking die. Yep. Uh, I love that these two teams, despite both being top 10, just refuse to be anything but themselves when they play each other. It's great. Um, also, Iowa, 39 rushing attempts, 67 yards. <laughs> and for their trouble, they got promoted to fifth in the country. God oh bless. God, God, God oh bless God. you, El Asico. Jacksonville State beat Florida State, (laughs) Um, y'all. I'm not going to pretend for a second like I know anything that happened in this game outside of the... I mean, you can't even call it a Hail Mary because that would imply that the quarterback's arm was strong enough to get it to the end zone.
1: No, no, it was just a basic... It was a basic route concept. It wasn't like a Hail Mary at all. It was just... They threw the ball. He was open. They got a crackback block, I think. But by the time that the block happened, he was like five yards away from the guy. And he just made a simple cut and got a touchdown and won the game. Um, that was, it's such a weird game, too. I don't know if you saw the clip of EJ Manuel in the ACC Network oh, uh, no. studio. Oh, He just had his head in his hand.
0: Oh. And, and he was just like, you've got to be kidding. I, I still really like EJ, so that's
1: like a, that's sad. Um He had Mark Rick like rubbing his shoulder,
0: like consoling oh. him. Honestly, if a former football coach has to console me while I'm sad, I wouldn't hate if it's Mark Rick's. I feel like Yeah. I feel like he's a very nice man. Um I, I love how quickly everyone forgot about like the heartwarming Mackenzie Milton like, comeback story <laughs> to just immediately yeah. be like, Florida State lost to Jacksonville State, y'all. It's so funny. Like, we all just immediately were like, the like when the Knowles were not playing Notre Dame, they just went back to being like, oh, yeah, we hate those guys.
1: Yeah, and I hate to say it, but he was not the most um, – he looked okay. There were some throws he made that were good, but mostly FSU's running game is – even the reason that they were in this game, um, Jacksonville State is obviously not a very big team, so they were able to mash them pretty well. Um, I have a few notes here. Uh, Florida State was up seventeen-seven with five minutes to go. That's uh, and then Florida State, and I guess something that would become a prelude to that uh, quote-unquote hail mary, uh, they blew a coverage and left a Jacksonville State guy wide open in the end zone for a touchdown.
0: Oh boy. Florida State? Yeah. uh Uh-oh. You are... We don't have an official uh uh-oh zone, but you are going in there anyway.
1: I have one more stat. There were 225 total yards and penalties in this game. Like, that's how bad it was.
0: The boys got rowdy Uh. out there. Um, Hell yeah. Future Conference USA member Texas uh, got its ass beat by Arkansas. Um, Uh And I'm going to turn that over to you.
1: The big thing that you have to take away from this game is... Texas got fucking mashed inside. Like, they just... Arkansas was just able to get whatever they wanted on both sides of the line, honestly. Their defensive line put a lot of pressure on Texas' quarterback. Um, Arkansas had 333 rushing yards. Uh, uh, 7.1 I, uh... yard... Yeah, over 7 yards a rushing attempt. That's how good... That's how good Arkansas's offensive line was, and you got to give credit to Sam Pittman for building that kind of offensive line and that kind of ability to just move Texas off the ball. Like you got to give him credit for that because he's done it in only two years. I think
0: I, I will always have a soft spot for Arkansas. Um, cause like, I think the first season that I really paid attention to college football as a kid was 2007, which is when they were doing all that cool stuff with Darren McFadden and Felix Jones and Peyton Hillis. Um, I think the first college game that I ever, like, remember watching and having very strong emotions over was the Arkansas LSU game that went to, like, triple overtime or whatever. Yes. Either 2006 yeah, that... or 2007.
1: It was 07. Yeah, okay, was cool.
0: 07. I've always had a soft spot for them since in 2015 when they had that really weird season with Brett, Be- with Brett Bielema, um, where they started off terrible and then ended up upsetting a bunch of, like, teams uh, in the second half of the schedule. So... Even though I am a Tennessee Vols fan first, I will always, I, I will always have a place in my heart for the Razorbacks.
1: Yeah, they're by far and away the, the least unlikable team in the conference. Um, I'll say that. So yeah, Victoria, I think has kind of settled into wanting to talk about Presbyterian every week just because of how insane they are. <laughs> Victoria, why don't you tell us what happened this week with Presbyterian?
0: Okay, so once again, Presbyterian, I don't know when they scheduled these games. I assume that, that like, FBS scheduling, that all these games are scheduled, like, years in advance or whatever. But they started off with two just absolute cupcake games. They played Fort Lauderdale, I believe. Yes, the the University of
1: Fort Lauderdale. Yes, it has 162 total students, and it's
0: not regionally accredited. Holy (laughs) fuck. So Presbyterian has schedule just ab- just absolutely bullshit games back-to-back to start the season. They nuked the University of Fort Lauderdale 68-3. to It barely counts because Fort Lauderdale's, like, I think half of their student population played in this game. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Ren Heffley added... Ren Heffley, my-, my new favorite football player, uh, tacked on another four touchdown passes. There was absolutely no punting, even though they one by 65 points. Fort Lauderdale ended up having 14 completions on 42 attempts. They had 30 carries for 40 yards. Presbyterian is doing obscene shit right now. Granted, I imagine that this is all going to come to a screeching halt once they start playing other teams that are in the Pioneer League. I don't, I'm not going to pretend like I know who's good in the Pioneer Football League. I imagine that eventually their, like, insane run of just nuking teams is probably going to run out.
1: You just look at the stats from this game. I, I obviously did watch it because I don't think that there was a place to watch it.
0: But I don't think they can allow this on television. I'm pretty sure the FCC, <laughs> the FCC would, would shut it down.
1: Yeah, like it, it's that bad. Um, Presbyterian's averaging 76 points a game, uh, which is obviously first in FCS. Whenever they have a game that's on like ESPN3 or something like that, I am going that is going to be must-see viewing for me because I have to watch this team play a full game. I just have to.
0: Okay, so with Presbyterian Corner out of the way, I think it's time to move over to the pro game, NFL Week 1. Kind of a mixed bag. Some really fun games and some bummer games for both of us. Both of our teams kind of had a rough go of it. The Bills and the Titans, who... um, I feel like the Bills and the Titans have developed somewhat of a rivalry, although I think it might be slightly one-sided. Bills fans fucking hate you guys. It's because of the Tuesday night game last year. The <laughs> Tuesday night game last year really... And, like, Taylor Wand oh. sucks, and he always talks shit. Um, yeah. But, all, I mean, also the Music City Miracle, but, like, in terms of our rivalry with, like, the modern Titans, it's last year... I think we'll start off with what the Titans did against Cliff Kingsbury's uh, Arizona Cardinals. (laughs) So, Katie, take it away. Oh, I really don't want to.
1: Um, So, full disclosure, I turned this game off after the first quarter. I was that frustrated (laughs) with it. Um, And then I ended up watching the highlight package later, and I said, really good thing I didn't, really good thing I took a nap instead of watching this for the next two and a half hours. There's so much weird shit from this game. First of all, even though even though we talk about Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals scored 38 points, Chandler Jones got five sacks and the Cardinals had six total against an offensive line that shouldn't be giving up that. And usually, it's is certainly well paid. Okay. Yes. a
0: well paid line.
1: <laughs> it sure is. Um, noted piece of shit Taylor, but one. Uh, against chandler jones he was just totally outmatched like chandler jones just blew right by him the entire time it was it it was comical it was almost like a it was almost like a practice drill and then uh, kyler murray i talked so much shit about him and then he does this shit where he just he's able to run around and he's able to evade what little pressure we did get on him and he's able just to find his receivers downfield. um It was so frustrating to watch. Um, I think the other frustrating thing with regards to our team was Derrick Henry could not... Derrick Henry had no room. None. Zero. They said, fuck this shit. We're shutting this guy down. Um, and the Titans obviously had to play from behind, so he only had 17 carries for 58 yards. The Cardinals had 416 yards of total offense on 6.2 yards of play. Um titan's defense ain't fixed uh the corners the you know the linebackers
0: aren't exactly great either so is it time to start talking about the possibility that ryan Tannehill's is going to regress back to the mean pretty soon here you know i always
1: thought that that was going to happen and i've always been kind of in the minority with it because you know arthur smith is now with the falcons so yeah i always thought once this kind of football that suits him almost perfectly once the Titans can't play that anymore, he's going to regress back pretty badly. I, I don't have the entire stats from this game in front of me, but I know he missed, he missed quite a few throws. I know that. Um, he definitely looked more like Miami Tannehill than Tennessee Tannehill. So not good. It, the entire game just left a bad taste in my mouth, and I'm kind of worried about the rest of the season now. But Victoria, I know your week didn't go a whole lot better. So, why don't you tell us about that? Do I have to? Um Ugh. You don't You don't go have on. to, but it you don't have to, but it would be more entertaining if you did.
0: Yeah, okay. So, I think as I've sat with the Bills losing 23 to 16 on opening day to the Pittsburgh Steelers, the more I get it um cuz it's very simple schematically like what happened um in terms of why the bill's offense struggled the steelers basically never blitzed they just had four pass rushers granted they're they don't have stefan to right now but you can still bring a lot of pressure with just tj watt cam hayward and melvin ingram melvin ingram was a played like a crazy person on sunday Mm. like like That was vintage Melvin Ingram that I haven't seen in forever. Also, his number is 8, and that makes me, like, a little uncomfortable seeing that from a defensive end. (laughs) But um, because the Steelers refused to blitz, they would just drop everyone else back in zone coverage. The Bills chose to attack that with empty. Like... They ran empty. It felt like most of the game. They definitely sometimes had a running back back with Allen, but, like, there was not a lot of, like, in-line tight end. Um, There was not a lot of using Dawson Knox in the sniffer role that he played a lot last year where they basically used him as a, like, punt protector for Josh Allen. Uh, He was very effective in that. But because the Steelers refused to blitz, the Bills felt like they could cook out of empty. It did not work. The Steelers got pressure all day just by sending four and the bills rather than change things up and run more 11 personnel and have a running back block and have Dawson Knox pass block and just hope that dig Sanders and uh, Beasley who, by the way, Beasley, uh, the only thing that man can catch right now is COVID because he had the (laughs) drops Uh, that, that, that was fucking rough. Um, But rather than try and make it happen the way they did last year, which is with six and seven man protection looks They just stayed an empty all game and it never worked. Because of that, Josh never really settled in. Uh, It looked kind of like 2019 Josh just because he was never kept kept clean. I don't think the sky is falling for, like, Josh. Like, it's fun for me to poke fun at Bills fans because Bills fans are extremely sensitive and they're very reactive if you, like, poke at them at all. So it's fun. Um, Despite that, I think things will probably be okay. Uh, The defense looked much improved compared to last year which I think was something that was pretty easy to predict because last year the Bills offense was unusually lucky. They turned the ball over on downs yesterday as much as they did all of last year. They stalled on fourth down twice all of last year, and they did it twice in week one. Naturally, you're going to see negative aggression on offense, and you're going to see positive regression on defense. The defense looked much better. Levi Wallace is still your cornerback, too, and that's still kind of rough. Um... I think that Miami's actually a pretty good get-right spot because I think that the Bills' offense matches up pretty well with that sort of Belichickian-style defense as much as any offense can because I really like that defense, actually. But I'm not going to have strong Bills' emotions yet, although I was during the game. I managed to to sort of process it, get over it pretty quickly. And I think my Bills rant is over for the most part. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I would expect things to get better. I think... I've always been very realistic about this being a regression season, like maybe like a twelve and five, eleven and six season, because what they did last year was crazy. Like I, I don't think we, I don't think Bills fans appreciated in the moment just how crazy what they did last year was. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay, and if I tell myself Good. that over and over again, it'll be true eventually. Well, well, you know. <laughs> I was
1: looking at the box score for this game, and I watched the highlights, and the thing I remarked, too, was I don't think Josh Allen looked as crisp as he did last year. Like, I, you could just see it. Like, you know, the Steelers, they they had a lot of guys at his feet the entire game, and they were kind of, like, gnawing on him like little chihuahuas. Oh, yeah. But overall, I mean, the Bills outgamed the Steelers 371-252. to First downs twenty two sixteen in favor of Buffalo. Um,
0: I mean, the only yeah. difference in the score was the blocked punt. Which yes, yes. I'm, yes, I'm trying really hard not to think about it because I because the Bills had a really good punter last year. This like homegrown talent, Corey Bohorquez, who they signed out of like New Mexico. He was this like big, goofy, left footed punter who sucked in his first season, and they stuck with him. And last year, he was incredible. It was like the best punting season I've ever seen. And then they let him walk in free agency. For some reason, and they signed this this dork, Matt Hawk, from Miami. <laughs> and in his first game, he has a punt blocked. Not his fault. Let me be clear: it was not Matt Hawk's fault. Like it was definitely an issue with protection. The Bills. Um, I'm not saying that their special teams hurt because they got rid of Daryl Johnson, who was t- Daryl Johnson was the Bills' like seventh defensive end, but he was also he was also a like very key special teamer. Andre Smith, who's another key special teamer, was inactive. And I think you might see where they they look to have him active next week. I don't want to talk about the Bills anymore. <laughs> Fuck this football team. Oh, gosh. Yeah. We can move on. I think we should maybe talk about some of the games that caused us not as much pain. Uh, going in reverse chronological order, I'm going to crank it back to the Thursday opener. That game whipped.
1: Yeah, it did. It, it was... It was very interesting to me to see Dak Prescott, like he was really on top of it, and, you know, Tom Brady was Tom Brady, he, you know, had a game-winning drive,
0: so yeah, I, I thought that that game was terrific as an opener. Uh, it, it was, it's really, like, I don't think Dak is quite 100%, but it's clear that Kellen no. Moore knows how to make it work. Um, yeah, they, gonna...
1: they had a lot, yeah, I was gonna say, they had a lot of throws underneath, and they set up a lot of. They set up a lot of their shot plays off of those little throws to the flat. Like, you can tell, like, he had this game plan
0: worked out pretty good. For sure. And Tampa Bay still looks like uh, a total Death Star. Um, Tom Brady will oh, will quarterback teams to the playoffs long after we are dead. Tom Brady was 21 years old when I was born. Um oh, no. He oh, spent God. literally my entire lifetime terrorizing my team. During Tom Brady's entire like career playing the Bills. He lost to the Bills straight up in in a game where like he didn't get benched. Uh he lost to the Bills twice. Oh god. Once in 2003 oh. and once in 2011. Oh, I am so sorry. <laughs> so, I'm so sorry. So, we're going to move on to Bengals 27 Vikings 24. How about them Bengals? It was really nice to see Joe Burrow deal a little bit because I think Joe Burrow tore his ACL, and also that the nerds look at his ball velocity and say that it's not really quite an NFL arm, which I think they might be somewhat right on that, but it was just really nice seeing him. And also Jamar Chase, my man, uh, have a, like, really clutch touchdown. Like, that Burrow deep ball to Jamar Chase was, like, vintage 2019 LSU.
1: Yeah, I – you know, I didn't get a chance to watch this game – Um I think what took me by surprise was the Kirk Cousins' 350 passing yards. That that took me by surprise. But also, Jamar Chase, I think he had, like, five catches for, what, 101 yards and a touchdown?
0: Yeah. Love that for him. Like, genuinely, I'm not, like, the biggest Jamar Chase fan. Like, I think as a prospect, he had a lot of problems. But if yeah. I'm him, I'm just, I'm just, like... Ugh, like, I can't imagine how good it feels to, you know, yeah. silence everyone. Dolphins 17, Patriots 16, AFC East nonsense. I, uh, I watched some highlights of this game, uh, did not manage to see it in its entirety. But Tua still looks kind of painfully average at this point. Mac Jones was up and down.
1: Yeah, I think he was 29 of 39, something like that, which... You know, but I think he only had like under 300 yards passing, so the yards per attempt probably doesn't look that good. Um, But he apparently looked good. Um, And Tua looked okay ish. Uh, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle, I thought looked really good in this game. So that's good news for the Dolphins. Um, And I think if you're the Patriots, you're okay right now. Like, oh, yeah. You don't, yeah, you're not thinking the sky's falling or anything. And Mac Jones looked good, so uh, I think.
0: Yeah, I think both of these teams are going to be competing for a playoff spot, and I think the Bills' schedule is really hard because the Bills won their division last year. They have to play the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Titans, and they also have to play Washington, which is probably the the easiest NFC division winner to get. But they also have to play the NFC South South, so that means they got to play Tampa. It's like a really rough schedule, and the Patriots and Dolphins look pretty good. So all off season, I've kind of been on the don't panic if the Bills don't win the division train i still think they have to be the favorites though as i'm saying that i'm really like uh eh. um but yeah i think they like the afc east looks much improved even like zach wilson looked pretty good i didn't watch yeah. much of that game at all because i don't need to see sam darnold play no
1: no i didn't watch that game either um i i didn't even watch the highlight package and i usually try and watch the highlight package from most of the games not all of them
0: So Sunday Night Football, the Rams and the Bears. The Rams kind of blew the doors off the Bears. Uh, Matthew Stafford is thriving. The Rams are thriving. I think this team is going to be really fun. And I think that we're both in agreement that this isn't going to work for the Bears and that they're delaying the inevitable by starting Andy Dalton over Justin Fields.
1: Yeah, I saw the tweet the other day that was like, the Bears are using Justin Fields in the same way that Georgia was using Justin Fields back in 2018 when they had him behind Fromm and just never played in the whole year, but behind like a little package that they had designed for him. So, Chicago, rip off the Band-Aid. Justin Fields looks really good from what we saw.
0: Yeah. The fucking Chiefs, huh? Oh, God. Like, <laughs> the Browns played really well. Uh, at they least did. in the first half. Like, they played the Chiefs about as well as you can. Um, and granted, second half, they definitely made some mistakes, turned the ball over at very inopportune moments. Um, Nick Chubb, who for my money is the best running back in the league. I don't know if that's controversial to say, but just I feel like I feel very confident whenever he has the ball. He had a crucial fumble. You can't make mistakes against this team because they no. have a free, at, like every single game, Tyreek Kill just at any moment 80 yard touchdown and you can't do shit yep. about it because he's Tyreek Hill and he's faster than you
1: yeah and then and then you have Kelsey underneath who, if you try if you try and take away Tyreek Hill's deep threat and honestly the other thing is the Chiefs always have really fast receivers so you've gotta you gotta kind of do a press bail if you're gonna do it and you gotta do it quickly um you know but if you try and take away that option you know you have Kelsey underneath who is just basically automatic for Mahomes you know it's a pick your poison thing with guys it, it just it's absurd and i thought the and like you said the browns played pretty well they i actually thought that they moved uh kansas city off the ball pretty well in the first half i mean i thought chubb had some pretty decent running lanes to run through uh he
0: had to make some stuff happen but they played pretty well uh the browns did the only way to beat kansas city is if they beat themselves it's really yeah. infuriating and it's cool that both of our teams have to live in the that conference for the next 20 years Um, yeah so i think that leaves us with just one last game to talk about the most batshit game of the week oh god Uh, a game that i i was not looking forward to this game at all just because i don't really care about the raiders as long as gruden's there uh thank you daddy gruden by the way for being part of the intro of our podcast um but as (laughs) as long as he's there um i don't really think that they're a threat to be much more than like the seventh seed in the afc i have a hard time caring about the raiders and i really like lamar jackson but the ravens can be kind of boring just because they run the ball all day and their defense is very competent but holy shit i don't even know where to begin with this game i i don't
1: either it's very well i'll I'll try and give a little bit of a game summary um ravens they got up 14 nothing at half i remember that raiders come back Derek Carr looks pretty good. He, you can tell the Raiders figured out that, you know, Baltimore's man coverage was kind of an easy thing to exploit, ex- especially with Henry Ruggs. And You can tell that they knew that, so they were able to climb back in the game pretty quickly. And Darren Waller, who... You know, if you can't draft Travis Kelsey in fantasy, you want to draft Aaron Waller because that guy just gets target after target after target from Derek Carr. Eventually, you end up with these two kickers making these
0: absolutely bomb kicks to send it to Kings. overtime. Uh, Daniel Carlson yes. fucking ice in his veins. Knowing, like, what his NFL journey has been, which is that he got cut by the team that drafted him um, and managed to latch on in... in Vegas just... I, like, got actually emotional. Like, I almost cried. And then, overtime happened, and... Oh, good God. Like, first of all, Brian Edwards was completely absent for the first 58 minutes of this game, then just woke up and had, like, two or three catches in the Raiders' field goal drive, and then immediately has a big catch in, in overtime, and then for a moment, seems to win the game on a walk-off touchdown for the Raiders. Yeah. For about 30 and, seconds, we all thought that yeah. that's how the game ended.
1: And then the instant replay happens, and then we we say, oh, you know, well, you know, why are they even bothering with this? Like, the ball spotted at the 18-inch line. Like, you know, they're just going to punch it in. But they didn't. <laughs> they really didn't. Uh, Derek R had terrible quarterback sneak on first down, I think and I think second down was it was the throw to Willie Sneed that was kind of out of his range just a little bit like it went through his hands but you could also tell it would have been a tough grab so he throws it to Willie Sneed who former Raven by the way ball just I think just gets tipped up and the Ravens come down with it in the end zone so we think okay well Ravens are gonna drive and they're gonna score and they're gonna win but That is not what
0: happened. Oh, my gosh. Carl Nassib. I can't believe, like, I kind of expected the Carl Nassib narrative to be, like, a little overdone during this game. Thankfully, it wasn't. Um, No. I don't think that ESPN even brought it up until the third quarter, and even then it was just, like, a little tiny thing. Yeah. Uh, It's just like, hey, hey, Carl Nassib's gay, and, like, it's not that big of a deal, which, you know, that's cool. But uh, he got way more snaps than I was expecting because the Raiders kind of have a crowded defensive end room, but they sat Cleland Farrell and Yannick Ngakwe didn't get that much playing time at all. Um, So it was kind of just Max Crosby, who is an animal, by the way. I love watching that guy play. Like, it's just... It's just pedal to the metal the entire game. I don't think I've ever seen someone with, with like, as high of a motor as Max Crosby does. But Nassif got most of the snaps on the other side, and he held his own. But then my man called game. He had the mm-hmm. crucial strip sack of Lamar. Raiders got the ball back. Initially, they were going to kick a field goal on second down, but then they fucked up and got a delay of game. So then they trotted the offense back out. And they had one of the weirdest walk-off touchdowns I think I've ever seen. Marlon Humphrey, like, gave up on the play halfway through.
1: Yeah, you could tell, like, they, you could tell Baltimore went all out because they knew we can't have these guys in field goal range because field goal wins the game. So they were like, let's just go all out. Let's just leave your guys on an island and say, if we're going to win this game, you got to beat your guy. And uh,
0: that did not happen at all. And so then uh, Derek Carr finds Zay Jones, uh, Bill's... I mean, I don't want to call him a legend because our feelings about him are not entirely positive. Zay Jones, the person I've always been a fan of, he had some issues while he was in Buffalo, and it was it was very nice to see him get open and catch that touchdown. Uh, capping off a, a like pretty overall exciting and cool week one of the NFL. there were some duds in there, but like the primetime games were like good as hell. I think with that, um I don't know. I don't know how we're going to do it going forward, but today, because the college football and NFL slates next week are kind of weird, yeah. we wanted to highlight some like weird games that maybe you might not look at immediately and think would be fun. So Katie, I'll start with you, uh, with your college game to highlight.
1: So the college slate this week, overall, is it's not good. I mean, you've got Alabama-Florida is the 330 CBS game, you have... Penn State Auburn as the 730 ABC game. None of those are going going to be I think as fun as Virginia versus North Carolina. And if you're looking at me funny, I get it, but Virginia in the last two games, their first two games of the year They have blown out uh, William & Mary, who, you know, that's an FCS team. That's not that impressive. But they also blew out Illinois, who, you know, (laughs) not exactly great. Um, But after those two games, Virginia is ninth in the country in total offense and 18th in the country in total defense. And they're facing a North Carolina team with Sam Howell, who can obviously find guys down the field pretty easily. I think this will be a really, really interesting game to see where UVA is at. I don't think anyone is going to challenge Clemson for the ACC title, even though I know that they look like dog shit against Georgia. But I think if you're looking for someone, you know, maybe in that second tier, this will be an interesting game because I think Virginia might be able to pull this one off. They play a really fun style of ball. They throw the ball a lot too. So might be entertaining unfortunately it's on the acc network so like 12 of you will be able to watch it (laughs) without uh some gray market stuff i'm not gonna say what but you can guess uh so that's my weird game of the week uh victoria i'll let you handle the nfl stuff
0: so the nfl slate um bills dolphins has edge appeal because those two teams never like each other um Ravens and Chiefs, they're very good teams, but I, I, I tend to find those games pretty boring because the Ravens slow the game down, but they end up losing to the Chiefs every time because um, the Chiefs are really good, and you only beat the Chiefs when they beat themselves. But I think that a fun game, a like sneaky fun game to watch, will be Cowboys at Chargers. I can't believe I'm saying that out loud because like, <laughs> before last week, I was very much fuck Dallas, I never want to watch Dallas play. But both these offenses are really fun. I'm not impressed by Dallas's or the Chargers' uh, defense. I, I think the Chargers' defense might be a little bit better than I originally gave it credit for, because Brandon Saley's, like a smart guy. They beat Washington, which I did not expect. I think Cowboys at Chargers. If you like high-scoring games, restrictor played off. Um, we're gonna see some like wild shit happen. That one should be fun. I I doubt that game is gonna have much TV coverage although the cowboys are in it so that probably helps it out uh Um, it's a it's a 420 yeah it's a 425
1: kick um on cbs fortunately i will not be able to watch it because tennessee plays
0: at seattle at the same time so oh seattle i think seattle might uh, i think titans might be starting zero and two that'd be pretty rough Um, uh uh-huh i i agree no uh, i agree so um with that this is our first like full plate weekly review podcast and i think we knocked it out of the park personally yeah
1: me too you know we are beautiful successful women and we can do whatever we want including talk about the entirety of the football that you would watch on tv in under an hour yeah
0: um good news guys is that we're still not on apple podcasts um good our
1: ongoing our our ongoing guerrilla war against apple Podcasts will start very soon
0: this is absurd like anchor told me like three plus weeks ago hey girl you know like we're gonna get back to you in three to five days we got you babe we're gonna get you on apple Podcasts, slay queen and then instead it's fucking september 14th and this is episode six of this podcast and we're still not on apple Podcasts. i'm fucking pissed i probably could figure it out myself but i'm not very smart anyway so still not on apple Podcasts. um We still have an RSS feed. Stick us wherever you need us. You can find me online at Dirtbag Queer on Twitter. On Sundays, I do really horrible manic bills posting that a whole bunch of my followers just got their first dose of. So that's (laughs) fun. If you want to see me, like, lose my mind once a week for three hours, you can see that happen there. Uh, Katie, where can the people find you?
1: I'm at Cates of Heaven on Twitter. Uh, I do VALS. I do Vols game threads, and I do Saturday... Uh, game threads for all of college football on sunday i'll do a couple of nfl posts mainly focusing on the titans but i also like to watch other games too
0: so if you want to see that you can check me out there cool uh as always you can follow the podcast on twitter at tuck for news and updates and some such doing a little posting during the weekend games trying not to get too annoying with the account but i do quite like posting rather than as a person as a show Like, I very much enjoy um, anthropomorphizing our own podcast. I think that's quite fun. Katie, why don't you take us home? Baker Mayfield eats bussy.